Lord, we do give thanks this morning that as we have gathered in the name of Jesus, that the Spirit of Jesus, the blessed Holy Spirit, is here among us working. We pray, Father, that our hearts would be open to the free course of your Spirit moving in our hearts and our lives this day. May we hear you through the Spirit. May you transform us through our interaction with him this day. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. How many of you today are uh, gathering with family and friends for the specific purpose of celebrating Pentecost? Anybody specific plans to... No, not... How many of you have some like really special traditions that surround Pentecost that you do, you know, with your family or ways that you celebrate that? How many of you knew it was Pentecost Sunday this week? Yeah, a couple of you. Good good for you. Um how many of you have a like a special Pentecost meal that you have. Anybody here, any uh, Pentecost sales going on at the mall? Yeah, that's kind of funny. Um, we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Easter. And in some different traditions, Pentecost is celebrated in in other special days. But I think it's kind of sad that we really don't even know the Pentecost is coming up. Because if it weren't for Pentecost, none of us would be here today. None of us would be followers of Christ None of us would be in a church. There would, there would be no church, no body of Christ worldwide. And, uh, and so uh, I have tried in my time here to call an emphasis to Pentecost Sunday. And we've interrupted our series of messages just so that we could focus on this. Now, if we were coming up to Christmas and uh, I was doing a series on the Christian disciplines in the Christian life or something like that, and we didn't celebrate Christmas, you guys would be all over me. What we, we didn't celebrate, what, you didn't even have messages on Christmas? Or, and, and yet, you know what? We really have no mind for Pentecost. And so we've broken our series. We've, we've taken uh, this step to make central and understand something about Pentecost and uh, why it exists and and how we celebrate it. Um, The Holy Spirit is so critical to our life, and yet the Holy Spirit is kind of, he works behind the scenes largely. Uh, The Holy Spirit, he doesn't go, whoa, 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 everybody look at me, Um, he actually is working to exalt the Father and the Son. Some have called him incorrectly, but I understand, the shy member of the Trinity. Um, he, he, he doesn't bring attention to himself. 
he brings attention to Christ and he brings attention to the Father. And so we can kind of get lost here a little bit and and maybe forget the Holy Spirit a little bit in what he does. And this is just calling us back uh, to understand and appreciate um, the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God, um, and that he, along with the Father and Son, is to be exalted and worshipped and to be honored. And so Pentecost was actually, it was one of the feasts um, that, was, that was observed in ancient Israel. So, you know, we talked about, Pente- uh, we talked about Passover, and uh, God gave the Israelites Passover when he had uh, saved them by the shedding of the blood of a lamb, saved them from oppression uh, with the Egyptians, and brought them out. And he brought them on a journey that was, um, it was about a 50-day journey to take them to Mount Sinai, where God would give them the law. And, and uh, when God established uh, worship for his people in the Old Testament, he had, uh, he had Passover, and he had Pentecost, um, which was 50 days. Pentecost is 50. 50 days after Passover. And, and so at this, it was also called the, the, the Feast of Weeks because it was seven weeks after. And it was a harvest festival. It was, it was a celebration at the time of wheat harvest where they would be called uh, to uh, celebrate um, God. It was during that feast that Jesus promised that something special would occur. Jesus had told his disciples some really, really distressing news. Um, and we looked through this um, this past uh, winter and spring in John's gospel. He told them, I'm going to be leaving you. Now these guys had given everything and pinned their hopes on Jesus and they, had, they were leaving businesses and all the rest of that and they were following him everywhere and they believed that Jesus would establish his kingdom on earth and they would be right there with him on his right and left, his, his, uh, his special cabinet. And Jesus tells them this really distressing news. He says, I'm going to be leaving you and they're going to kill me. I'm going to suffer a lot. And, and you remember Peter's reaction. Peter, who, who was always uh, pretty free with uh, advice for Jesus, and he said to Jesus, no way, not under my watch. You're not going to be killed. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Uh, he says, I'm going to go. Um, and, and so it, it was so critical and difficult at this time. And yet Jesus uh, put a positive spin on this. In, in John 14 and 28, Jesus says this, You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I am. Glad that you're going, glad that you're leaving, glad that we left everything to follow you, and now what you have to tell us is you're going. In in John 16 and verse 7, it says this, But truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, whom we understand is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And so he says, you know, it's really important that I go, and I know it's tough on you, but if I go, the Holy Spirit will come. And, and, uh, and so he says uh, uh, to them in, in John 14 and verse 7, 
uh, 17, excuse me, John 14, verse 17. You know him, that's the Holy Spirit. For he lives with you and he's going to be in you. So here's, here's what Jesus is, is saying to them. He's saying, I got to go away. But it's important for you that I go away because if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus left heaven uh, to come to earth, uh, to become a human being, what he did was he gave up some of his prerogatives as God the Son. He now restricted himself to a physical body. He rest- this this God, uh, God the Son, who was a spirit being in heaven, uh, had reign everywhere, and now he limited himself to a human body, to being in a place, to all the limitations that we have as human beings. And, and, and Jesus said, you know, Jesus couldn't be with everybody all the time. Jesus could be here or there, but he wasn't everywhere. And uh, he could be with one group, but if he was one group, he wasn't with another group. And, and so he said, um, I, you know, I've been, the Holy Spirit's been with you, but he's going to be in you. I'm going to leave something of me with you, and he'll be with you forever. He lives, he, he, he lives with you, but he will be in you. You will have the Spirit of Jesus, my Spirit, in you all the time to be with you forever. In John 14 and verse 23, it says this, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. Listen, and we will come to them, and we will make our home with them. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, when you open your heart to God's grace, he put his Holy Spirit in you to live in you, to be with you um, all the time. And, and uh, it would be absolutely permanent. And, and that's why the Apostle Paul would later say, you've got to be really careful what you do with your bodies. Because he says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 4.19, he said, don't you know that your bodies are a temple? It's a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. God dwells in every believer. There's that closeness and that intimacy, that immediacy. He is right there all the time. And that's why he says, be careful what you do with your body. Be careful about moral purity because your body is the very dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. He's available to you. He's in you. Now, this is so different from the Old Testament times because in the Old Testament, what happened was the Spirit of God would come on people for a specific task, would come on a prophet, would come on a leader to allow them to do something and that, that Spirit would be taken from that person. So the Spirit was operational in the Old Testament, but he was operational in a different way. And now God says, aside from that, it's going to be that the Holy Spirit, my Holy Spirit, will be in you permanently forever. What an incredible thing. Now that had been prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus would leave them, but he would perpetually be with them by the Holy Spirit. In Ezekiel 36... In this beautiful passage, it says this. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That was so different. This is something that they looked forward to. This is hundreds of years before Jesus came. When through the prophet Ezekiel, God told them he would put his spirit 
in them. But when? I don't know about you, but I don't like waiting. You like waiting? I mean, hundreds of years have gone by. When is the Holy Spirit going to be given to us? When is this going to happen? And so Jesus had told them, look it, I'm going to go away. But if I go away, it's good news for you because I'm going to give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit. He is with you, but he will be in you permanently. So, so uh, I don't like waiting. You don't like waiting, perhaps. And Jesus dies, is resurrected, and there's a 40-day period after Jesus, um, after Jesus' death in which he showed himself to many of his followers. We're told in 1 Corinthians 15 that even 500 at one time saw the resurrected Jesus. They heard him. He spent time with them. And then it was time for him to go. And so when it was time for him to go, they were gathered on the Mount of Olives, and, and Jesus gave them a charge Uh, Jesus told them um, that they were to hang out and remain um, because because he had something for them. And then he's leaving them. And they watched as he ascended up to heaven. And and so in in the book of Acts, uh, we have an expression where Jesus is telling um, the people. For instance, in Acts 1, 4 to 5... On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8, here are the, the last words that Jesus says before he goes back to heaven. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what do they do? They pray. They have a 10-day prayer meeting. Jesus said, stay here. You live in Galilee, stay in Jerusalem. Stay there and wait. And uh, and so they wait. And, And they said, well, what do we do while we're waiting? And they began to pray. And so they had a 10-day prayer meeting. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And then comes Pentecost, the day of the feast. Now, there were three feasts that were mandatory for all Jewish, all Jews, adult Jews. And, and so they were to come and celebrate these Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, was one of those times. And so what happened was... There are thousands of, upon thousands of Jews from around the world that would come to celebrate uh, this mandatory feast. So the, the, uh, the population of Jerusalem would, would uh, explode at that time. And here in the midst of all of that, well, there are 120 people, believers that were meeting together, 120, the the apostles and some of the women and and, and some of those early disciples. On the day of Pentecost, kaboom, it happens. The Spirit comes. And and it's it's incredible. was read for us, but in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, these 120 and suddenly there came this, uh, a, a, from heaven a sound like a mighty 
rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. So they're just praying, they're hanging out, and all of a sudden now it's like um, they're hearing gale force winds. The power and presence of God is there. I mean, it was, it was awesome. If you've ever been in, a, in a, just a, a fearsome storm, to, to, to hear that wind blowing, it, it, it's, it, it's scary. And, and, and here they were there. So there was, there was a, um, an audible. There were three different phenomena. The first was this, this audible sound of a wind. And the second was a visual. Uh, in verse uh, 3, And there were these, as they were sitting there, there were these divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. So something weird kind of happens. It looks like this this kind of thing of fire comes down and it begins to break into what looks to be like little licks or little tongues of fire. And and it separates. and, And it lands on each one of the people who were there. And so there's this audible phenomenon. There's this visual manifestation, this thing that looks like fire that comes down and lands on each of them. And and the third phenomenon was that the whole group began to speak in other tongues or languages that they have never learned. Uh, They've never studied them. They've never learned them. And so these people who've come from all over the world um, to Jerusalem to worship. So these are Jews or proselytes to Judaism who've come uh, to worship, uh, these guys now, they spill out into the streets. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come. It's indwelt them. He's indwelt them as it was promised. And he comes in dramatic fashion. The group spills out. And, and now they're, they're speaking about the greatness and the wonderful deeds of God before people. And the people who've come to the feast are, are blown away by this. Uh, they, they don't know what to make of it. Um, he, here they are, and they're hearing their native language. They're hearing the deeds of God in their, great, their, their uh, language. And in Acts 2, we're talking about 16 countries being represented. And here it goes. It, it kind of sweeps from the east to the west and from the south to the north, from North Africa right up into to Rome. So the, the whole known world in their, their area, there are people from all over there, and, uh, and they're hearing this, and it produced in them a real sense of bewilderment. Like, what is going on here? Uh, how, how are we hearing these people speaking in our language when that's not their language? And they recognized that they were from Galilee, and they were un, largely uneducated. How do these uneducated people speak so fluently these languages that they have never learned or, or perhaps even heard? And, and, and what's going on here? And so they're scratching their head. Other people are amazed. I mean, wow, this is, this is phenomenal what's happened. Uh, there's perplexity as they hear uh, this. And others... And there are always some of these are mockers. And they're just saying, ah, oh, yeah, right. These guys have been ooh, ooh, hitting the bottle a little much. And, and uh, so they're trying to make sense of this. And Peter gets up and says, no, no. Nobody's drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Nobody's been drinking. And this was the moment when the Holy Spirit was, and the Bible likes to say, 
poured out, lavishly poured out on this group of people. And Peter gets up and he says, all right, let me explain to you what's happening here. He says, what's happening is this. Um, This is the fulfillment of prophecy. And Joel, hundreds of years ago, talked about this. And he said, here's what's going to happen. And in in Acts 2, in his message, he says, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my... Uh, male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. So this is the fulfillment of prophecy. This is what we've been waiting for, for hundreds of years, for God to pour out his spirit. And it happens in the context of Jesus, who has, who has promised, I'm going to leave, but it's a good thing I go because I'm going to give you my spirit. He'll be with you and in you permanently. And, uh, and there's the fulfillment of that. And what happened in the Old Testament now has been surpassed, that everyone will have the Spirit of God. And there'll be no discrimination between young and old, male or female, servant or free. Every one of my children will have my Spirit. And, uh, and so we see this phenomenon happening there. Every believer was endowed with the Spirit to be a prophetic community, to speak out the word of God. And so Peter preaches this first message in front of all these people. Peter, who denied Christ before the Jews. Peter now is right there in the presence of Jesus' former enemies, and he's standing up with boldness, proclaiming what has happened Uh, that it's the fulfillment of prophecy. He's not afraid of them at this point. His life has absolutely been transformed. And uh, the people who hear this message about uh, that Peter gives, because Peter says, you guys, all you guys, you killed our Messiah. You put him to death, but God raised him from the dead. And and they were cut to the heart. Uh, and, and, uh, And so they said, Horrors, what should we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And that day, the church was birthed with 3,000 souls. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff that the Holy Spirit does. And um, I sat down and I, I began just charting out what the Holy Spirit does. Um, first, he convicts us of sin. He convicts us of the truthfulness of who God is and what he's like. He convicts us of the judgment that will come on us. You say, well, well how, do, how, do I, how do I come to, to know this? Some people can do all kinds of bad things. It doesn't seem to bother them. Why is it that some people are brought under conviction? Uh, that's the Holy Spirit. You, you, can't become, you can't become a believer without the Holy Spirit working to convict you of your need. And not only that... Uh, but he, he makes us spiritually alive. We were spiritually dead, and what he does is he makes us spiritually alive. He reveals God to us. He teaches us. He's a sign of God's ownership. He's a stamp uh, uh, upon us of, of God's ownership of us. He's a deposit that guarantees that God will finish 
what he began. And we will be his forever and be glorified with him, be in heaven with him. He gives us that guarantee by giving us the Holy Spirit that he calls as like a down payment of the first installment of what God has for us. He provides understanding of Scripture and application of Scripture. Why is it that some people read the Scripture and it means nothing to them? And other people, it comes alive and God shows them how that needs to be applied in their life. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. He assures us of our acceptance with God and our relationship with God. So that he, his spirit bears witness with our spirit. That we're the children of God. There's something the spirit does for us in that way. He transforms our lives so that we can become like Christ. He, he brings fruit, the fruit of the spirit forth in our life. Uh, transforming us. He brings comfort and encouragement and strength. He guides us in the way that we should go. He sanctifies us and makes us holy and cleanses us. All of this stuff the Holy Spirit does. You couldn't live your life as a Christian. You couldn't become a Christian. You couldn't, any of that could not happen without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But when Luke talks about this event, though all of those things are true about the Holy Spirit, his primary concern is not with that. His primary concern is that the Holy Spirit came to make us a missionary people. He came to fulfill his mission through us, every one of us. And so that day, the church was birthed. You see, in the Old Testament, God's mission was different than it is in the the New Testament. In the Old Testament, what God wanted to do was God chose a people group, and he gave that people group uh, his, his law. He told them how to live, and if they would live by that, they would display the glory of God, and he wanted to put them on display for all the world to see. That happened to a very limited extent. During Solomon's reign, for instance, we hear that the queen of Sheba came from Ethiopia, She came because she'd heard of the blessing on this tiny little country in in the world then. Here's this tiny little place, and yet she hears of the fame of this country and God's blessing on it. So she goes, and and Solomon talks to her and shows her uh, things, and she goes and she says, it's way beyond what I even imagined. See, God wanted to put on display his people as they live for him, as they live according to his word and his law. And the whole world would, would sit up and take notice. And if you were to become a believer in those days, you would become a proselyte to Judaism. You would, become, you would go and worship there. Uh, you may go back to your own country, but that's how it works. Something different now is happening. God is changing the whole way. With Jesus coming, there is a whole new mission And instead of being cloistered here, now the church is called to take it to the streets and go to the world. And and instead of this being an ethnic group and and, and joining that, this is going to be an international, a multi-ethnic group. And I think one of the beautiful things as I look across our congregation and as you see some of the people on the platform uh, here um, reciting scripture, you see and understand that God... Uh, has done something new and beautiful. It's not now the Jews 
It's the Jews and it's all of us Gentiles. And we form one new person, one new body, the people of God uh, that, that transcends and traverses the globe. And so we have the birth of the church, this new body. Uh, when, when, uh, when Peter preached and the conviction of the Holy Spirit fell upon that group, he opened their understanding. He convicted them of what the situation was. And 3,000 of them said, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And right that day, they were baptized. And the church was birthed. It's interesting that at this harvest festival, well, that's what the Feast of Pentecost or Feast of Weeks was. It was a harvest festival. Now there is this huge fe- uh, uh, harvest of souls from all around the world, all around the known world, who've come to Jerusalem and are going back now as believers in Jesus Christ. This is the birthday of the church. Uh, that we're celebrating. This is when we got included in, in this whole thing about the people of God. And uh, Jesus, when he was here, he said, I came to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came to Israel, but Jesus always had a global perspective. And though he came uh, and presented that privilege to, uh, to the Israelites, Yet his heart and his vision and his plan was to take it right around the globe. And so we see the Gentiles directly included among the people of God. And, uh, and now, do you remember what Jesus said? Even in spite of that, he said, um, he said, other sheep I have that are not from the sheep pen. I've got other sheep that aren't Jews. I have, I have sheep from all around the world. And so that blessing was launched on that day. The second thing that was launched is the worldwide mission. Do you remember what Jesus said? His last, excuse me, his last words before he went to heaven was, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon, me, uh, uh, upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the launch of the mission of the church. When Jesus spoke to his disciples after his resurrection um, in Galilee, um, he said to them, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of what? All nations. All nations. I, I want you to make followers of me of all nations around the world. And uh, Luke said, uh, take it to the ends of the earth. That was Luke's expression. Um, All nations to the ends of the earth. And our responsibility as a church is to take the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. We're to take the good news of the gospel. And that includes our own family members. It includes our neighbors, our co-workers, our fellow students We are commissioned to take the good news of Jesus uh, to them. And and as a denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, we take seriously that. Uh, We have over 200 international workers from our denomination that we have funded and sent around the globe so that they can take the good news of Jesus everywhere. 
Uh, we, we have the Burnetts who will be home with us very shortly, who have been in Thailand working. Uh, the Cooks who, have, uh, who are helping at home now but have worked overseas. Um, and, and all of these people who are working to fulfill the mission that God has given us in the church. And we support them and we pray for them and we send them out and they represent us and we join together accepting this mission that God has for us. I don't know about you, but when I understand that God's program and plan for me is that I'm supposed to be his spokesperson, I'm supposed to be his representative, and I get a little nervous because, you know what, I see all of my shortcomings and I see... Uh, sometimes I think it looks impossible and difficult, and I don't know how that's going to happen, and, and, um, and yet we hear it. Jesus said to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. You're to be my representatives. You're to be my mouthpiece. You're to speak on my behalf. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And it's kind of overwhelming. It's awesome. It's burdensome to think about that. In John 14, uh, 12, Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. And they will do even greater than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus said, you guys are to continue my work. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. You continue my work. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The things that I'm doing, you're going to be doing. You're going to do greater than, than I am. He says, anything. Well, what can we do greater than Jesus? What can we do greater than people who've been born blind have sight? People who've never walked stand up and run and jump. What, what greater can we do than to have a person who's been dead and in the grave for four days and see them resurrected? I mean, I don't think he was saying we are going to do greater things in terms of more spectacular things than than he is. But I think what he's saying is what we're going to do is we're going to extend his kingdom in a way that didn't happen when he was on earth. And he's going to send us, uh, he commissions us and sends us throughout the whole world to represent him. And, and um, it, it, you know, it can kind of be intimidating, right? Because you think of your friends, you think of your neighbors, you think of people who are, are just, they, you, they don't seem interested. And you have a hard time pressing forward and even talking about something like that. How are we going to do that? He says, the Spirit will empower you. And through all the book of Acts, Really, the emphasis that Luke places as he writes the, the beginning of the church is that it's going to be the Holy Spirit that will empower you to do what you can't do yourself. When Peter spoke that message and 3,000 people said, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, I mean, that was nothing short of a miracle. That Peter would get up and do it but that God would open their hearts, that God would orchestrate this, that at that moment, at the, at the day of Pentecost, he'd blow the doors off this thing and launch it. And, and Acts, as we go through, is a picture of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon his people for mission. And what we can't do, what we're incapable of doing, the Holy Spirit can do. And every one of you who is a follower of Jesus Christ is a testament to that. Because your coming to faith in Christ was nothing short of a miracle.
of God's grace working in your life. Because naturally, we don't surrender ourselves to Him. It's He, by His Spirit, who works in us. And just as Jesus was empowered, and, and, and here's, here's my thing. As I read through the Scripture, I, I, I find this, that everything Jesus did, everything Jesus did, He did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what that means? He did not use His innate power as God the Son. As a human being, like us, he relied on the Holy Spirit to lead him, guide him, empower him, and do all the miracles that he did. It was through him. And he wants us to understand that we too have that same spirit, the spirit of Jesus, living in us full time, permanently, and that he can empower us to do things like that. You know what? I can think of all kinds of excuses why I can't fulfill this. Why we as a church can't fulfill it. I can tell you that I, I, I'm not gifted enough or I don't know enough or I, I'm, I'm too scared or I can give you all kinds of reasons why I can't work. But there's one reason it can work. Because God is in it. And he sent his Holy Spirit to do that. A friend of ours, the name, uh, her name is Lorraine. And Lorraine was one of those people who loved God but very low-key um, she didn't. Um, she didn't make a big deal about herself. She, she'd be low. She wouldn't get up on the platform and do anything. She loved God, but she was kind of a timid personality. And yet, deep inside, she wanted to really make make a, a mark for God. And uh, she ended up contracting cancer. And uh, it was kind of, it, you know, it was a, a sad thing as we prayed for her. And as she went into the, the, the cancer center uh, multiple times a week for treatments, she would sit beside, she would see the same woman who was there day after day, week after week. And of course, they would sit together and talk as they were waiting for appointments. They would share notes on what was happening with their cancer and their treatment. And, and um, Lorraine just had this real burden for this woman and began praying for her. And she just kind of gulped hard and said, I'm just going to talk something about my faith. As they, as they would sit there, she began to tell her about her faith and what Christ meant to her and how he was giving her strength to go through this. And, and, and this relationship blossomed, and they got together outside of the hospital and would go for lunch sometimes and talk. And, and Lorraine told us about her friend, and she said, pray for her and pray for me, and we did. And God gave her the great joy and delight of helping this dear woman come to faith in Jesus. And the woman died, and Lorraine was able to go, and, and she had now had a, a friendship with her family and was able to go to the funeral and be there and just so grateful for what God had done. She never expected that she could, God could use her to do something like that. And yet he did. And she was so gratified. The Lord finally took her of cancer and I thought, what a beautiful thing for her to meet this friend that God took and used her. And Lorraine would be the first to tell you, this was not me. I can't do that. That's not, that's not I'm not capable of that. But God loves to take people, ordinary people, even people who think they're less than ordinary and, and, and they couldn't do something. He loves to 
take them and use them in that way. And you know, the thing that I love about the body of Christ is here we are, all of us different, different gifts and different abilities, and, but all in one body, empowered by the Spirit to bear witness to Jesus Christ so that together we can pray and, and some of you are just prayer warriors, and you can, you can engage with us in prayer. And, and some of our, are, are just fantastic helpers. They, they, just, they just help everything to fit and to go along. Some are givers, and some are teachers, and, and, and some uh, have the gift of compassion. And, and, but all together, serving together, We bear witness to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit resides in us individually, but he resides in us as a body. And the beautiful thing is that he can take and do incredible things through us. Not because we're wonderful, but he is wonderful and he's powerful and he loves to do that. You know why? Because in Lorraine's case, she would readily admit Only God could get credit for what happened. She said, I could never have done that. I couldn't have orchestrated it. I didn't feel I could do it. And God gave me the strength and the joy of doing that. You know, it's... um, They waited for the Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit was there. He showed up. And now we live in the age of the Spirit. And my friends, uh, we need a fresh inpouring of the Spirit of God in our lives, a fresh filling where we will walk with him, where we'll live it out, and where he'll give us courage to reach out and share that good news with some. And that's Pentecost. Pentecost launched the church. Pentecost launched the worldwide Uh, mission of the church and empowers us and leads us and guides us to be and do everything that he desires. Let's pray. Father, um, here we are and, and Father, perhaps so many of us feel as though we're so inadequate and yet you gave us the Holy Spirit to be with us and in us forever. You gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to fulfill the mission that you gave us that is so far beyond what we can even wrap our minds around. And yet, one soul at a time, you give us the opportunity to make an impact in our world. Lord, I thank you for everyone here who's become a believer and a follower of Jesus. And I know that they can't do that without the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. At the same time, Lord, they're people here that maybe have not yet taken that step. And yet, you are working and can work in their lives in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. I pray that there would be an openness. And I pray if there's somebody here who has not yet opened their heart to Christ, but even hearing about this, something is stirring in them. I I pray, Father, that they won't leave this place until they open their heart to you. And only you can get the credit for that. And help us in fulfilling this grand mission that you've given to us as followers of Christ, as his representatives. And Lord, we just pray that you would 
exalt your son in this place through moving us to act and bringing your power and strength to accomplish what you desire. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.